how much should a CEO get compensated for being the leader of the business? That is what we're going to talk about today in Investing Mastermind podcast. We will be nerding into this topic, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. So stay tuned for this great discussion. I'm Sina Lundholt. And I'm Michelle Markey. Today, we're going to discuss management and we're going to discuss the pay of the CEO in particular, because one of the things that's important to check down the line as an investor is actually what is the CEO paid for being the leader of the company? Is it fair or are they getting paid too much? We all know that there's inequality in the world and it's one of the big topics that's always being discussed and it's one of the topics that we'll dive into today if it's fair compensation if there's fair compensation for the CEO or if there's unfair compensation and we're going to dive into some examples Michelle what do you think well you know when it comes to management compensation sometimes there's articles that come out that say american ceos are the most paid they've ever been in decades because there are a lot of articles out there saying that CEO pay has gone up exponentially compared to the average worker. So it gets a lot of people up in arms and angry about this because, you know, a Joe Schmo can be maybe making on average, say, $50,000, and it's only gone up a tiny bit since the 1970s, whereas a CEO of a major corporation, their pay compared to people in the 70s has gone up like, 10 or 20 or 100 times compared to back then. So you go from, you know, maybe a CEO back in the day, maybe only making $500,000 and that was considered a lot to now maybe $20 million. And that's maybe common for a CEO's yearly salary. So it's kind of insidious how it's gone a lot of out of control. And even Warren Buffett has talked about how out of control management pay is and even he doesn't get paid that much at Berkshire Hathaway because he doesn't need to be paid that much. So there's a lot of discussion out there of how a lot of these CEOs, they get compared, they hire these compensation consultants, and then they try to kind of compare how is this CEO compared to another CEO in a similar industry and in a similar type of company. And they get these consultants that advocate, well, you're the CEO of this, you should be getting paid that. And so between a combination of cash and stock options and stock, maybe there's so many ways that CEOs get compensated in America. And maybe it's a little different in Denmark. I'd be curious to see if it's as bad as here, like what, how is it like in Denmark, Sina? Well, the trend is pretty much the same. There's a big difference between what the average worker get paid and CEOs. And like you say, you know, there's the same kind of compensation structures here. So I think in Denmark, you know, usually when there's a trend in the US, Denmark is a few years after, but it's definitely something that we've seen over the years in Denmark. And it's very equivalent to United States. So I Definitely recognize what you say. And like you say, with Warren Buffett, he doesn't take out a big pay and management in his companies. He's also being very transparent that he's not paying them a lot. That's not why they're doing it. They're doing it because they're passionate about the business, because they you know, really want to see the business grow. So they're not there to get compensated and live a wonderful life and on the yacht and, and just, you know, live that 
fabulous life that no one else in the company is living. So I think that's a, a really important point. And today I really wanted to also dive into some of the examples I've seen recently and in the past of management that gets paid quite a lot compared to the average employee, but also where we've, you know, some examples where we've seen some behavior that's actually quite odd. So one of the examples that I want to bring up is a CEO of a company that's called Nutrient. His name is Ken Seitz. And when I looked at Nutrient, I noticed that the stock was trading at a very low price, but all sort of my marks checked in terms of it being a wonderful business. And I was wondering how come it's trading way below margin of safety. And the margin of safety price is the price that you would pay when the company is on sale. There's also a price that you know, would be the intrinsic value of the company. So sort of the full price of the company. I never pay full price for a company. I always want to buy it at a margin of safety, which is 50%, sometimes 30%, depending on the business. And this company was trading way below margin of safety and is still trading below margin of safety. So I was wondering, why is that? It looks like a wonderful company. It's a company that produces fertilizer. And it seemed to be going really well for the business, great return on equity and no debt almost and things like that. So I was wondering, hmm, what's what's going on here? And what I found was the CEO pay. That's where I found out, okay, something is just not right here. So the CEO became interim CEO in 2019, and he was interim for a while until 2022 when he was appointed CEO of that business. And if I look at the total compensation in 2019, it was $2.55 million. That's what the CEO got paid in 2019. And then if I look at the most recent data from 2022, December 2022, which is, I know, a few years back, but still that's the most recent data I have, what I can see is that he got paid eight point. 7 million. So you can reflect on that for a second. From 2.55 in 2019 and today it's 8.7 million. That's an increase of 241%. Wow. Yeah. So what you're kind of bringing to light here is in a company that you were studying to see, would it be a good investment for my portfolio? Everything checked the boxes of living up to what Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger of Berkshire Hathaway mm -hmm. have taught us as investors to look for, except it's starting to sound like is that the management pay might be a little bit of a deal breaker because you as a potential investor in this company, instead of you as a shareholder getting to reap some of the rewards for essentially putting your hard-earned money into this company, it seems like maybe the CEO could be kind of keeping a lot of the cash that's been invested in this company for himself. And let me just correct something that I said in that when we as investors invest in the market, like a stock on the New York Stock Exchange, the money that we invest in the stock isn't going directly to the people at the company to be able to do whatever with. We're kind of buying a stock, a share off of someone else who had invested a long time ago, let's say, when the company first came out and as an initial public offering. So the company has already used money that was initially invested in the company. What you're saying is, though, if you invest your money in this company, instead of 
the company kind of using, say, collectively what everybody invested toward expanding the business, growing new profits. Instead of some of that, a lot of it could be going to just paying the CEO their annual compensation, which might not be the best use of capital. Maybe a CEO shouldn't be being paid so much. And instead, that money should go to growth initiatives, maybe buying back shares to give you that shareholder return that shareholders deserve. So that could be maybe what could be happening as to the stock market is wise to what's happening here. And that's why this stock is selling at such a low price. Yeah, there could potentially be multiple parameters because I stopped looking when I found out because I'm like, it's not okay. It's simply not okay. Even though, you know, the compensation might not be up to par with their peers in the same industry or whatever. I just think it's absolutely insane. And another thing I was noticing, again, I wasn't going into detail after I saw this, but one thing I noticed was that the CEO didn't really have what we call skin in the game. So he didn't own a lot of shares in the business, which is also another indicator for me that, you know, this is wrong. It's something that's not cool. And because I want to see a management that own a lot of shares, because if they own a lot of shares, they have an incentive for the business to grow over the years. If they don't own shares, they don't necessarily want to see the company grow because, you know, they don't have that skin in the game. They haven't really put their hand down on the hot plate in terms of actually being really invested in this business. So as far as I could see, he wasn't really a big owner of the business. And that's just another red flag. Again, I didn't go to detail that could potentially be shares that he owns that I didn't necessarily see from my brief run through. Because once I found out about this CEO, how he was getting paid over the years, I immediately just dropped looking into this business because I don't want to support anything like that. I don't think that behavior is okay. It's over 200% salary increase. Who gets that today? Yeah, and most people only get like 2 or 3% yeah. if they're lucky from their annual wage increase, like the standard of living. So like for someone to get so much more than the average person, it does seem like it can contribute to income inequality. And so no wonder a lot of average people are up in arms about some of this. And as well as what you're suggesting people should look into is to look in what's called a proxy statement where you can see what the compensation is that's granted to the management of a company and you can see this in the normal investor filings that a company puts out and another area that maybe people should pay attention to in addition to the monetary normal salary amount is how much stock options are being granted because stock option is basically saying to someone, we will give you this opportunity to buy this stock in the future, but you'll get it at a lower rate if you maybe hit certain benchmarks. So let's say a stock option could be worth $20 in the future. And someday if you get the stock to perform higher, you are incentivized to make sure your stock is trading at $40 someday. But then when it trades at $40, you get to buy it at 20. So you get to buy it at a lower price than what everybody else will pay. So you get like almost double the value, let's say, of getting this future stock compensation. And something that Warren Buffett has said is that this is actually a real expense because you are giving a CEO or some directors who are on the board of the company, you are giving them actual compensation in the form of stock. Even if they don't take advantage of it now, they have to 
vest in it for a few years, but someday they could take advantage, especially if they have done things to try to pump up the stock price. And then they get to be even richer once they finally kind of exercise their stock options. So that could be something where a lot of companies, when they do the accounting of these stock option compensation, they're not acknowledging it for the very real expense that a company endures. And that's why some of the company's expenses might seem artificially lower than they should be because some companies are giving way too much in stock compensation and you don't realize it because it's kind of hard to see. It's like you might not feel it and the financials might look better than they really should be. So people have to make that calculation for themselves. Like there are some companies out there, especially some tech companies that give a lot of stock options. So the CEOs are incredibly rich. They don't have to necessarily do all that much if there's a rising tide and their stock market price is going up and then they take advantage of these stock options. So another point I wanted to add on to what you said about how the CEO didn't have skin in the game, that was actually the case with Twitter. A lot of the Twitter management before Elon Musk bought Twitter hardly had any skin in the game. They barely owned any shares of Twitter and you could see that play out in how Twitter might not have been the best managed before Elon Musk took it over because there were these academics and these people who had some shares and the former CEO and founder of it had some shares, but there really weren't that many current management leaders that had it. And so that was also a bad sign for Twitter as an overall business that these management who are supposed to have a fiduciary duty of the company, they didn't really own it. So what do they care what happens to the future of Twitter? So you can see that gave an opportunity to Elon Musk to come in and buy this company because hardly anybody else cared about it. Unlike Warren Buffett, who owns a significant chunk of Berkshire Hathaway, and he cares very much about it. Yeah, it's definitely important what you're saying there, Michelle. I also have actually another example. It's from a few years back, so I'm not going to mention the company because things could have changed from back then. But I was looking into a business and I was actually very interested in that because it was again, checking all the boxes when it comes to Warren Buffett's style investing. And I was getting really interested in this company. The CEO pay seemed fair. I was looking into the, you know, his compensation in the proxy statement, like you just mentioned. And what I could see is that his salary was on par with other leaders in the same industry that this company was called, uh, let's call it AB. But again, when I read through the proxy statement, it became clear that what I saw in the beginning of the proxy statement was only a fragment of the CEO's actual salary because the real payment structure was actually quite complicated because the CEO, in reality, he was hired through his own company. So the CEO of company AB had his own company, let's call that YC, and he was compensated through his own company. So AB bought consultancy from his company, YC. So on top of the 30 million payment he got from AB, which was an industry standard, including bonuses like the options you mentioned, 
So on top of that was an additional bonus of up to 24 million. And that was, you know, I only discovered that by reading through the proxy statement. And that was through this structure of paying his company for his consultancy services. And further, this agreement also meant that important employees in AB was hired from the CEO's company. And what I also was thinking about that, so I'm sorry, this is quite complicated, but I was just wondering, okay, so if the board of the business and it's the board that decides if the CEO got to go. So if the board decided, okay, we don't want this person as a CEO any anymore, they would have to actually lay off part of the whole marketing division was hired through this CEO's com own company company, as well as some strategic advisors, strategic consultants. So if the board decided we want to let the CEO go, they would actually lose a lot of key employees with a lot of knowledge about marketing of the business. So what I just did not understand was why did the board agree to this structure? Because they really set themselves up to something potentially dangerous happens if they don't agree with the CEO anymore. How are they going to let go of all that knowledge, all that, you know, information that these employees have, not only the CEO, but the marketing as well as strategic divisions, and they are going to lose talent and brain power and key employees and important expertise. And that just did not make me feel comfortable as a potential investor in that business, because in my opinion, they had set themselves up to fail. Yeah. Wow. So that, I mean, that is incredible because you can see how that type of arrangement makes that type of CEO really entrenched in that business. And it's like losing half of a company. If you were to somehow burn bridges with that CEO and his other company, if things were to not work out. So that's incredible how some people could be putting a company at risk and the people who hire the CEO are the board of directors. And oftentimes they have a say in what the CEO gets paid, but a lot of them are kind of chummy. Like there's not many directors that are on the opposite side of a CEO. They usually are good buddies. And so if they are, they want to give the CEO kind of whatever he or she might want because that CEO is the management. They're running the ship. So these board of directors are sort of in a tough place about having to weigh the compensation that's appropriate for a CEO because they don't want to disappoint the CEO, but they also have a responsibility to shareholders to give something fair that won't put the shareholders at a disadvantage. But where it gets even more trying here is where a lot of board of directors, they're not always as independent as their title might make them seem. So sometimes when you see an independent director, that's supposed to be someone who doesn't work at the company, who's outside, right? So they're independent in theory. But what I think Warren Buffett might have called out before that we've learned about is if an independent director gets most of their salary, their income from serving on a board. So let's say they get paid $250,000 a year. And if that's a big amount of money to them, like that's very important to them, then they're probably just going to go with the flow. They're going to, you know, rubber stamp everything the CEO wants because that $250,000 means a lot to that board of director person who they need that money. But if you have someone who's more wealthy and truly independent and doesn't require that type of compensation to have their lifestyle, 
they might have their own opinions and maybe they won't answer every beck and call of the CEO, whatever the CEO wants. They might not just give them anything. So you have to also think about that as to how independent are these directors on the board because they are largely responsible for CEO pay. Yeah, that's some super important points you have there about, you know, board of directors and how they get compensated. It is such an important point because back in the day, the board was our people, the shareholders people, and it is the shareholders that vote for board members. So of course, as shareholders, we can always say, no, we don't want that person. Like if the majority of shareholders don't want a certain director to get into the board, we definitely do have a say. But today, you know, shareholders might not vote or might not care about the board of directors, so they can pretty much do whatever they want to. Also, we're talking about compensate the CEO in a way that's just absolutely insane and not fair. And sometimes what we do see is that certain types of investors like Bill Ackman, who is an activist investor or Carl Icahn, someone like that, you know, would then try to restructure the, the company and make the compensation structure more fair or the structure of the business more fair toward shareholders. But that is a whole nother discussion. We're coming to an end of this episode, though we did get in very much detail. We hope you enjoyed us nerding out on CEO compensation and giving you some food for thought in your own investing practice. So we'll be back in a week from now. See you on Tuesday. Till next time. If you enjoyed the show and found the content informational, we would be super grateful if you would leave us a review and follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you automatically get new episodes in your feed. We publish a new show every Tuesday. The contents of the Investing Mastermind podcast are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. None of this is investing advice. And if you need help in your personal situation, please consult with a professional.